Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning, I'm Danko with you here on Money FM 89.3, taking you through Market View. Now, let's quickly get you up to speed with what's happening in the markets. Now, Asia Pacific stocks are trading lower this morning, with Korea leading the way down by 0.56%. Australia is down by 0.24%, and Japan is down by 0.06%. And overnight on Wall Street, as you would know, the stocks snapped their two day winning streak after investors absorbed the Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's latest interest rate hike decision. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 0.4% to end off the session at 33,966 points. The S&P 500 declined 0.6% to 3,995 points. And the Nasdaq Composite dropped 0.8% to 11,170 points. Now, thank you for that, Dan. Good to have you on board. Keeping with the expectations, the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate to half a percentage point, taking it to the highest level in 15 years. Can you walk us through the details of this interest rate hike? Well, while it was widely expected, why weren't investors happy about this? Yes, uh, and there's a lot of breakdown right here, and it's like what you've mentioned. The Federal Reserve just yesterday raised their benchmark interest rate by 50 basis points, mm. and that met expectations. But it was also an indication that the fight against inflation is not over, despite some promising signs lately. The boost of the overnight borrowing rate of half a percentage point takes the targeted range to between 4.25% and 4.5%. And that increase of 50 basis point also broke a string of four straight three-quarter point hikes. And that's the most aggressive policy moves since the early 1980s. Wow. Yes, and along with the increase came an indication that the officials would expect to keep rates higher through next year with no reductions until 2024. In fact, according to the FOMC's dot plot of individual members' expectations, the expected terminal rate or point where officials expect to end the rate hikes was put at about 5.1%. Mm. And that's probably why the investors overnight were reacting negatively to the expectation that rates may stay higher for longer and that may result in stocks giving up their earlier gains. And in fact, you know, just diving deep into the, the news conference where, you know, we see the interest rate hike, Jerome Powell said that it was important to keep the fight against inflation so that the expectation of higher prices does not become entrenched. And in fact, at his post-meeting, Powell said that while inflation data received so far from October and November showed a welcome reduction in the monthly pace of price increases, it would take substantially more evidence to have confidence that inflation is on sustained downward path. Yeah, that obviously shows that, you know, he hasn't exactly given investors the dovish pivot that a lot of investors have been ho- hoping, for. hoping for. Yeah, and as mentioned by Powell in a strict and clear tone that he doesn't have a plan to pause or take a res- reversal path until a more substantial indication, you know, shows that inflation is on a downward trend. Mm. We can probably expect inflation Inflation to remain high. Mm. And in fact, the GDP outlook for this year was also put at 0.5%. And in the September projections, the committee expected 0.2% growth this year and 1.2% for the next. Now, in other parts of the world, the European Central Bank and Bank of England will also be in focus as they will be delivering news of their next interest rate hike, which in a similar tone, they will probably release about uh, 50 basis points as well. Mm. And for today, investors will also get another batch of economic data to digest 
And that's something we'll be keeping an, a close eye on. We are talking about retail sales and jobless claims. Mm. Thank you for that comprehensive breakdown of uh, everything that's going on. We certainly will be keeping our pulse on the news. So do keep it here with us on Money FM 89.3. Now let's move it on slightly. One company making the news this morning is Tesla. And that's because the company had closed below $500 billion market cap for the first time in two years. Dan, what happened here? And does this spell the end for the electronic vehicle? Mm, Tesla, and it's making the news mm. because you know their shares are trading at their cheapest ever by at least one measure as the electric vehicle giant. They are grappling with an array of challenges from you know waning demand in China as well as concern over billionaire CEO Elon Musk's priorities. We mm. talked a lot about this on our show before, you know, about his time on Twitter. And yeah, basically the stock is now trading 29 times projected earnings, but that's still well below the S&P 500 index 17 times forecast earning. And it marks the lowest since the company went public in 2010. Wow. The company's market value fell, as you've mentioned, below $500 billion for the first time since two years ago. Now, the automaker's shares face stiff headwinds heading into the new year with a lot of market watchers saying that demand in China isn't exactly meeting expectations. That forces the company to scale back on production and slow hiring. And what's more, shareholders are growing increasingly worried that Musk's takeover of Twitter is proving a liability for Tesla mm-hmm. by limiting his involvement in the company. We've also got you know people from uh, his strong followers voicing their concerns and saying that they felt like they're back-holding stocks that doesn't really have value in the mm. long run. Mm. So that's something to watch out for. Now, just an update, Tesla's shares are traded down 1.4% after falling by as much as 3.2% to about $155 wow. per share. Mm. And that's really the lowest since two years ago. Mm. So Musk have even stepped out to say, on Tuesday this week that he will make sure Tesla shareholders benefit from Twitter long run. Mm. But even with Tesla bulls and lawyer fans expressing discontent, I think that remains to be seen. Yeah, certainly volatile volatile times and turbulent times as well. Elon Musk clearly in a bit of trouble there yesterday knocked off his perch as the world's richest man. Exactly. Today the news about Tesla, he's got his plate full and mm. will be keeping abreast of the situation and seeing what happens there. Let's now turn our attention to HSBC because the bank had surprisingly decided to halt their finance for new oil and gas fields in an attempt to address the issue of global warming. I think that's a good move on the on the surface at least. But what do you know about this and do you expect to see other banks to follow suit? Mm, HSBC Holdings, yes, this is certainly a very surprising move. As you've mentioned, they won't be financing new oil and gas fields or related infrastructure in a move that climate activists say puts it ahead of many of its peers Mm. in addressing global warming. And it's also worth noting that the bank has been regarded as one of the world's biggest backers of fossil fuels. So that's a huge move by them. And this was announced, you know, uh, yesterday, which they also said that it's been informed by scientific and international bodies, an analysis of pathways that will limit the global temperature rise to 1.5%. HSBC, just a background info, right? HSBC is actually among the biggest financials of fossil fuels. They provided $111 billion of debt since the Paris Climate Agreement that was signed late in 2015. And that marks also the second highest among European leaders. So their company has been slammed a lot by climate activists and with Canary Wharf headquarters being the target of frequent protests. Mm. 
and has also faced shareholder vote on its support of fossil fuel industries. So it's nice to see that the, the bank is actually looking forward and listening to the cries of people out there to make a change in this uh, sector. However, HSBC also said that it will continue to provide corporate finance and advisory services mm. to energy sector clients, referring to an international energy agency report that said that financing and investment in existing oil and gas fuels will still be required in an orderly net zero transition. Mm. So we're talking about progression here rather than a strict cut completely. Okay, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So those, com- those companies must also have transition plans that are consistent with the bank's 2030 financed emissions target and its commitment to net zero by 2050. So that's the range we're looking at about, I would say, 28 years from now. Mm. That's a good enough time for companies to start evolving and transitioning to Certainly. net zero. Now, HSBC also mentioned that if a company plans were not consistent with the bank's targets, HSBC won't provide new finance and may even withdraw existing support. So yes, this is certainly a greener push to a sustainable future and some good news here. Yeah, certainly. But I have to ask you mm. that second part of the question, which I asked you earlier. Do we expect other banks also to follow suit? Yeah, this is a question that we'll have to wait and see because as much as HSBC, you know, they have their plans to set the sustainability goals, mm. each bank, I believe, they also have their own set of goals that they want to reach. So I believe that they will set the tone for what a greener future would look like. But it's up to the rest of the banks to see whether they would follow suit. But I think, I do think that there will be a huge impact on other banks as one and it really you know showed a way for other banks as well mm. especially those that claim they are climate leaders but continue to finance oil and gas companies that remains to be seen in future certainly something to look ahead to and look forward to i think now if you're just joining us thank you for tuning in money fm 89.3 this thursday morning it's yal roshan and dan Coe keeping you company on your money we've discussed the fed rate hikes and projections we've discussed hsbc's move to move towards a greener future we've also discussed tesla and how they are Stocks are dipping. Mm. Now let's move it on to something closer to home. We are currently about 18 minutes into the local trading day. And yesterday, the Straits Times Index closed lower by 0.22% to end at 3,278 points. Mm. Dan, how is STI performing today? Yes, as much as what we've expected as well, following news from the interest rate increase, we are seeing you know stocks in Singapore trading the same as the rest of the region, down by 0.05%. And it's currently trading at 3,277 points. Mm. Okay. Thank you for that, Dan. Comprehensive update as ever. You put in a lot of work into this and we appreciate that. Now we're going to play a bit of game and have a bit of fun this Thursday morning. And it's a game I'm becoming quite fond of. Up or down. And if you're a regular on this show, regular listener, you'll be familiar with this game. So why not play along? I'll be picking a stock or a topic and you, being Dan and the listener, will be guessing whether it's an up or down. Dan, are you ready? Let's go. All right. I really need the drum rolls key here to just mm. to build up the excitement a bit. All right. Number <laughs> one, Keppel. All right, Keppel, and that is going to be a down for me. Mm. That's because asset manager BlackRock has ceased to be a substantial shareholder of the company after selling $8.9 million worth of shares, lowering its stake from 5.03% to 4.96%. And they have sold about 1.2 million Keppel shares as of this week via a market transaction, and the proceeds would translate to an average selling price of about $7.44 per share. So I'm going to go with a down for this one. Okay. That's one down, four to go. Top glove, number two. Mm, top glove. It looks like um, this is going to be a down for me as well. Because just recently, Top Glove Manufacturer's CEO said that the company 
may take up to a year to return profits amid mm. headwinds. And you know, losses for the quarter were more than triple the net loss of 52.6 million ringgit in the previous quarter. And while he expects that you know, their losses will narrow in the next three months, it may take a long time before the company can actually net profit on its sales. Okay. So that's going to be a down for me as well. Okay, that's two down. Three to go. Number three, CDL Hospitality Trust. CDL Hospitality Trusts. Now, this is moving similarly to what we've seen yesterday. CDL Hospitality Trust is securing another 10-year lease for its asset in the Maldives, known as Angsana Velavaru. The lease has been arranged between Sanctuary Sands Maldives Private Limited as well as Maldives Bay, a subsidiary of Banyan Tree Holdings Limited. And, you know, the terms of the lease are similar to the existing lease and will be for a term of 10 years that will commence February as of next year. 2023. So that will be an up for me as well. Okay, two down, one up. In at number four, Samudera Shipping Line. Samudera Shipping Line. This is going to be an up for me because the company has entered into a into an agreement to purchase a 25% stake that's held by a joint venture partner in the LNG East West Shipping Company for $14.8 million. And the company said that you know they wanted to raise its stake to better realize value from the company, which is engaged in liquefied natural gas transportation. And the acquisition is expected to be completed by mid of this month and not seen to be not seen to materially have any impact on Samudera's earnings per share for the current financial year. So this is something good to look forward to. I'm going to go with an up for that. All right. So you've given us four. Keppel down, Top Glove down, CDL Hospitality Trust up, Samudera shipping line up. Listeners, that was a quick recap for you of the four we've covered and Dan's expert opinion on that. Moving on to the final one, Singapore 2023 growth forecast. Hmm, this is going to be a tough one because unfortunately, this is, this is going to be a down for me because... Mm. Singapore's growth prospects have become gloomier and the economy is also similarly bracing for a downturn in 2023. So this has led to many private sector economists cutting their 2023 growth forecast for export-driven Singapore by a full percentage point. So yes, this is definitely going to be a down for me as well. And with a lot of uncertainties in the current market economy, I think this is something that we will have to be very careful and tread in very, very dangerous waters. Yep, certainly something to be cautious about, I would mm. think. Now, Dan, thank you so much for playing up and down with me. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed that segment. Remember, Keppel down, Top Glove down, CDL Hospitality Trust up, Samudera Shipping Line up, and Singapore 2023 growth forecasts are down. All that according to Dan Code. Dan, thank you for that comprehensive update. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.